This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Of Twitter's cybersecurity failures, he alleges that the CEO, Parav Agrawal, he had deliberately kept other embarrassing information from the board about management's inability to improve Twitter's security and process integrity issues. He also said that the company has no effective policies and procedures to manage. In this episode of Compliant into the Weeds, Tom Fox and Matt Kelly take a deep dive into the recently released whistleblower complaint by the former Twitter employee who goes by the moniker Mudge. We take a look at the allegations made by Mudge and consider how they might impact Twitter's attempt to force through the sale of itself to Elon Musk. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. But first, a quick message from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Welcome back for another live edition of Compliance Into the Weeds. As always, I'm joined by Matt Kelly. Matt, first of all, welcome. Hello, Tom. Good to be here. Matt, we had one of the oddest sagas or stories in one of the oddest sagas of the oddest people of the oddest, I don't know what, how big the universe can be, came down on us last week. And that was a whistleblower, a series of whistleblower allegations, I guess you'd call it a whistleblower complaint, involving a guy named Mudge, of all things, and our good friends yep. at Twitter. So you want to take it from there? Sure. So this is the latest of numerous jaw-dropping whistleblower complaints we have seen in the tech sector lately in the last several years. This came out, I think, on Tuesday of last week, where the former head of security for Twitter, who's formerly named Peter Zatko. He, as head of security there in 2020 and 21, he apparently came across numerous severe and alarming widespread cybersecurity and privacy and compliance failures at Twitter, which he then put into a whistleblower complaint, which then was, I'm not clear if it was leaked or just given to CNN and the Washington Post, but it got splashed all over the place last week as yet another example of a company with some potentially serious misconduct issues, cybersecurity concerns, privacy concerns. And for those of you who do not know Mr. Zatko, his name is, I guess you would call it nom de guerre, is Mudge. He has been a longtime hacktivist, cybersecurity man on the scene. I used to write about technology 25 years ago, and everybody knew who Mudge was back then. He certainly knows his stuff. He famously once testified before Congress, I want to say in the late 90s, that he could take down the internet in 30 minutes if he wanted. And I don't doubt that Mudge probably could. Mudge since then has drifted all over the cybersecurity world for nearly 30 years now. What he says about cybersecurity should be taken seriously. I don't necessarily know that his specific allegations against Twitter are or are not legitimate. I have no reason to doubt that they 
are, or better, I have no reason to see why they wouldn't be. Twitter has been in an awful lot of hot water with Elon Musk, with his on again, off again, I guess it's now off into Delaware court litigation about trying to acquire Twitter, which he didn't want to do because he said Twitter is full of spam bots, which is a big part of Mudge's complaint. And Tom, we could go on all day. I can go through some of the specific cybersecurity failures that he mentioned. We could talk tone at the top at Twitter, the alarming things that we should explore here. And this is a really big mess for the company. So why don't we start with some of the specific allegations he made, because these are not simply directed at the allegations that Elon Musk has made around bots. They're much broader and in many ways, much more troubling for a wide variety of reasons, including potential violations of prior dissent decree, consent decrees, not non-compliance or violations of GDPR, perhaps other legislation. So why don't you maybe go through some of the broader allegations you saw, and then we can take a, perhaps a little bit deeper dive. Sure. So here are some of the big ones. This was an 84-page complaint that Mudge filed with the Justice Department, Securities and Exchange Commission, and the Federal Trade Commission. For example, he had said that Twitter could never map out and identify the sensitive data that it actually had, including personally identifiable information. Twitter knew it had a lot, but didn't necessarily know exactly where that data was or how it was being used, which meant that Twitter could not comply with consent decrees that it had signed in 2011 with the Federal Trade Commission that basically said PII could only be used for security purposes, like a challenge question to make sure that users did not have unauthorized access to from others to their account. They couldn't guarantee that PII was only used for security purposes and not also for advertising purposes without people consenting and opting in for that. So we have problems around data control and what sensitive data you do or don't know that you have. He also alleged that the executive team intercepted a security audit that Mudge had commissioned, I believe, looking at this very issue here. And then the executive team had directed the auditors who had performed that assessment. They were looking at cybersecurity controls. Mudge had hired an outside firm. The executive management then reached out to firm doing the audit and said, stop, act and rescind and omit several pieces of embarrassing information before they even gave it to Mudge. So the executive team intercepted this audit that was happening and wound up giving Mudge a doctored report that apparently, according to him, was an inaccurate picture of Twitter's cybersecurity failures. He alleges that the CEO, Parav Agrawal, He had deliberately kept other embarrassing information from the board about management's inability to improve Twitter's security and process integrity issues. He also said that the company has no effective policies and procedures to manage insider threats from employees, including no bring-your-own-device policies that actually could be implemented and enforced with any appreciable degree. He alleged that the metric that they were using to say how many accounts were or were not spam or fake, which is exactly what Elon Musk is arguing about now in Delaware court about trying to wriggle out of his Twitter acquisition. Mudge essentially said that Elon is right with his complaint, that the metric they were using and giving to the board 
was inaccurate and misleading. He alleged that there are known spies of foreign intelligence services on Twitter's payroll, that Twitter was dealing with Chinese entities, even though Twitter itself is not a in China. So they were selling Chinese advertisers who then might use it to try and track down Chinese dissidents. And we could go on all day. Basically, he describes a cybersecurity program that looks like it just crawled out of a Steppenwolf concert, a total mess, high as a kite, ineffective, not working. And that's where we are. And these are some very serious allegations for civil authorities. I would suggest that probably there are some allegations that could lead to criminal exposure, maybe for the company, certainly for Agrawal, who does not come off looking good in this complaint, and just like a total mess. That's all it is. First, we have to start with your use of analogy of those leaving Steppenwolf concert. Because if it's circa 2022, I will tell you they're going to be in wheelchairs, scooters, and walkers, because that would be the age of a current Steppenwolf fan, even beyond my advanced age. That's an interesting visual. Okay, you've laid out in broad parameters some of the bigger issues or problems. Is there a way, maybe start with the board. What would, if you were asked to counsel the board, where would you have the board start? Would it be pick up the phone and call Jonathan Armstrong or some other data privacy, data protection? That was where my head first went, because certainly we could pick apart any specific Mudge allegation and it would be worthy of a podcast unto itself. But so often people ask, where was the board for this? And that is a very valid question to ask. The board was, according to Mudge, misled by the CEO and others in the management team And if that was true, or even if it was just simply questionable and we have to investigate it, we, the public, the SEC, the Justice Department, other regulators, they really shouldn't be the ones investigating this. Twitter's board should be always investigating and probing. Are we getting the right information? Are we asking the right questions? And it looks to me like they were not. And maybe that's because they were being misled, but also it is incumbent on them to be really aggressive with management about making sure that they're not getting watered down or misdirected information. So I keep coming back to number one, you have to think through why do people care about this? Why should we care about Twitter and its potential misgovernance? Because Twitter is an enormously influential company. Even though it's not that big, even though its financial performance is not great, even though this sideshow thing with Elon Musk is a distraction, Twitter has an enormous hold on the public conversation around the world. It's very easy to map out a scenario where people might, thanks to poor cybersecurity, attackers could take over the account of a world leader, send out false messages that could trigger an actual disaster, market route physical conflict. Let us remember that in, I think it was 2020, a teenager uh, managed to gain access to former President Obama's Twitter account. Like, Not acceptable, ever. You can't have world leaders who use Twitter as a primary account communication method to have us wondering, is that actually secure? So my point is really that the board has to ask, what is the most important thing for us to get right? And that is true for any company everywhere. The board has to ask, what is it most important for us as the board to get right and as a company? For Twitter, that is security and process integrity. And that was not right, according to Mudge. And I really, like I said, I don't have any reason to doubt what he's saying. In that case, you have to think through, does the board have the right people 
And if you look at the biographies of Twitter's uh, board of directors, which you can, they're all very accomplished. I'm sure they are very sharp thinkers, but I didn't really see much in their biographies about system integrity or cybersecurity. You see a lot about business development. You see a lot about strategy. You see a lot about artificial intelligence. You see a lot about money because some of the board directors are coming from investment groups that have significant stakes in Twitter. But you still don't actually have any clear indicator that this person here on the board is a whiz at system integrity and cybersecurity and would know what questions to ask the board to ask management about Twitter's security risks and how to exercise the correct oversight. Tom, I think it's actually a great irony that Mudge, he served, I think, as head of cybersecurity there for about 18 months or so, maybe a little less. Mudge probably would have been great on the board because he comes across as a bit prickly and difficult as an in-house executive. And that does check with his long history of being a very provocative, a bit of a gadfly rabble riser in cybersecurity that he knows how to ask difficult questions. He knows how to call it. I think he did that a lot in Twitter. I think he probably alienated a lot of management that didn't want to confront his difficult questions. When you're a CISO, that may not necessarily be the best thing for you. When you're a board director, it's an excellent quality to have. But he wasn't on the board. He was head of cybersecurity, and he wound up butting heads with the CEO, who then fired him. So it really is a tale that should start with the board and senior management. But who is running these things, and who is in charge? And do they have the right skills? And I, I don't know that the answer is all that clear. Let's turn now to our other friend in this sordid tale, Elon Musk. And we yep. have an up, upcoming trial day around Twitter's attempt to enforce specific performance or require him to purchase, follow through and purchase Twitter. I read today that uh, in the New York Times online edition that the Musk legal team has <clears throat> subpoenaed Mudge to give a deposition in that case, but it's still an open question as to whether his allegations that don't directly relate to the bot issue will be a part of the trial for specific performance that Twitter has filed for. So how do you think that all of this will play out in the Elon Musk side of all of this? I Nobody knows. That's the honest truth. It is entirely possible that Mudge's allegations could wind up proving Elon Musk. And if you'll excuse me now, I'm going to open the window and throw up now that I've had to say those words, because I think in many ways, Elon, terrible example of corporate governance, but he may in fact be not wrong in mentioning that Twitter can't say how much of its account activity is based on automated bots, spam accounts, bogus accounts. The issue, as I understand it with Elon, is that the metric he zeroed in on was known as the MDAU. I think it was median daily average user. But he was saying that the MDAU that Twitter was providing to him was false or erroneous. And Twitter could not actually prove that only a very small percentage of its activity came from bots or fake accounts. And Mudge now is saying that the MDAU metric is A, misleading, B, subject to manipulation, and C, has not actually been audited by anybody to prove that it is useful or accurate. And he, part of the Mudge's complaint that talks about the MDAU really goes into mind-numbing detail about what was said by whom on what day and what tweet meant what. And I 
pity the judge in the Delaware Chancery Court who's going to have to sift through all of this because it is mind numbing in its exactitude. And I'm not sure I quite understand all of it. But clearly, if there are many other allegations of poor data governance, poor access controls, poor ability to get things done and get weaknesses resolved at Twitter, which is what most of what Mudge's complaint is about, I'm not surprised that the MDAU issue is also under scrutiny and could also be a mess because that would just fit with the general theme of Mudge's complaint, which is that all of Twitter's data governance is a train wreck. But like I said, I don't. And even if this had never happened, I don't think anybody would know how the Delaware litigation is going. But this certainly just adds a new level of palace intrigue to that whole stuff. I guess the where I come down on it at this point is that since the non-bot issues were not a part of Musk's reasons for not moving forward, they shouldn't be a part of this lit- litigation, whether he knew about them or not. But that's going to be up to the court. Let me ask you another question, Matt. I could not determine from the your reporting on this, your blog post, and the reporting I read. It appeared that Mudge was fired in January of this year. What I couldn't determine was when his whistleblower complaint was filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission leading to him claiming whistleblower protection status under Sarbanes-Oxley, or it was his claim that he reported internally and was fired for either reporting or attempting to report internally? A little bit of both, really. So the complaint does say that he was fired shortly after he was raising issues directly with the board's risk committee about misleading disclosures or misleading communications from management to the board. And he weighed in to say, no, there's actual, you're getting bad intel from management. And he was having that conversation with the risk committee chairman. And then he was subsequently fired within days of that communication. And that was in January of 2022. So there's that. But according to my reading of press reports, the complaint was filed with the Justice Department, Federal Trade Commission, and SEC in July. And then it was presented somehow or obtained by CNN and the Washington Post in August. I know that Mudge is being assisted by a whistleblower advocacy group, which is the same group that helped Francis Hogan, the Facebook whistleblower. And they did that to great success because Francis Hogan, among whistleblowers now, is well known. And really, they left Facebook for quite a while. There were congressional hearings. I forgot to mention that this Twitter complaint also was sent to Congress. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about congressional hearings into Twitter as well. There is a certain marketing and PR offensive that has to happen along legal offensive for these sort of to succeed and reach the public consciousness. And so far, Mudge and his assistants at the whistleblower groups, they're doing really good on both fronts because everybody knows about this. It was on the front page of media all over the country. And I don't think we've heard the last of this from regulators or from Congress or from Mudge. And certainly we're not going to hear the last of it from Elon because he makes everything into a big show. And that's going to happen. So I would ask you, could this get any wilder? But unfortunately, I think we both know the answer to that. Yes, it can only get wilder. But you've touched on some of the organizations or regulators who might be interested in this. CFTC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, potentially criminal violations. If there's violations with knowledge of the consent decree, 
Uh, the Delaware Supreme Court could weigh in potentially on a Caremark shareholder derivative action. I guess Europe could look at this from the GDPR angle, the EU regulators, or even uh, the uh, UK regulators as well. Any other groups that, that you could think of might have an interest in this? I think the big issue is the Federal Trade Commission already had Twitter under a consent decree from 2011 through it was the decree was for 20 years. So they're barely halfway through it. They would have annual audits of their cybersecurity controls. And those audits have not gone well. And they, if they have, if the allegations come out that Twitter knew it was misleading or violating the decree and misleading the board about this, misleading the Federal Trade Commission, very quickly you get into, I think, criminal exposure from the Justice Department. There's no way this is not going to end in a significant settlement with regulators. I don't even know how many, but could we see some sort of big global thing, what Facebook did a couple of years ago when it paid $5 billion to the Justice Department, the Federal Trade Commission, and the SEC over its big Cambridge Analytica data breach? Could we see something like that happen again with Twitter? I think so. Could we see some sort of data privacy enforcement action from Europe? I can't imagine we won't see that at least be floated and under investigation because there's just so many allegations of these controls sucked, these controls sucked, this effort never got underway, there was misleading communication to the board, there were deliberate intent. If I were the CEO today, Parav Agarwal, I would seriously be thinking about a criminal defense attorney because it looks to me like Mudge is, is raising allegations of criminal misconduct against the CEO not to mention the whole company. So it's just, there's a lot. You better, you barely know where to start. And we haven't even gotten into <clears throat> what are the actual lessons others could take away from about how would you organize PII? How would you organize cybersecurity audits? Like I said, we could have so many more lessons that we could learn on the specific allegations. Each one is worthy of its own post or its own podcast. But just on the merits of what's going to happen to Twitter, this is a big, enormous question. And they were already in a vulnerable spot. And now this has happened. They are in some serious hot water. Let me pick up on one of the points you raised about Francis X, Facebook employee whistleblower, the team she worked on for her whistleblowing efforts, her public whistleblowing efforts is now the same or similar team that Mudge is using. And maybe give a few words about the how the discussion and really danger has shifted much more to the public's arena now for not responding internally to whistleblowers and how this new dynamic you've been talking about the amplification through social media for quite some time but i think we're even seeing it take it to a new level now with this professionalism in these campaigns any thoughts around that? another subject that is worthy of a podcast unto itself you have heard lately about the revolving door specifically for whistleblowers where the attorneys that who represent them come from the SEC and many times from the whistleblower office at the SEC, or they are former Justice Department officials who might go on to help with whistleblowing practices. And there is a robust cottage industry of law firms now that are eager to help whistleblowers. The thing that strikes me is that there are probably few whistleblowers with the to the sort of activity, information, allegations that, say, Francis Hogan or Mudge would have. Most whistleblowers are going to be complaining about something that is not big and sexy and probably aren't going to get that attention. So it's this sort of, I don't know, 
race to the top 1% for whistleblowers. There are a few whistleblowers who have enormously sexy, for lack of a better word, whistleblower allegations that they could air out against big, sexy companies like Facebook, like Twitter. I don't think anybody's going to get into a tizzy about misconduct at the world's largest maker of fasteners or industrial coatings or sealants, because that's not sexy stuff. But within that small sector that is sexy to the public imagination, there's a lot of law firms now who are more than happy to cater to some really good, salacious stuff in their eyes, and it catches people's eyes. And yeah, you're right, Tom. I've said before, and many times, social media is not a risk unto itself. Social media is a magnifying lens for those risks you already have. You already do have whistleblower risk, but when it can spread so quickly and take on a life of its own on Twitter, on social media, you're going to have a big problem if you're a company. It is really lights a fire under compliance teams to think about how do we encourage internal whistleblowing? Because if you fall into the sexy whistleblowing allegations camp, and I think most companies know who you are, if you fall into that and that winds up getting attention in the public, you have a much, much worse problem on your hands. And so Twitter does. I think that's a great way to end this podcast. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say we'll definitely be revisiting this one, Matt. I think so. This is Tom Fox again. I've linked to Matt's blog post on this subject matter in our show notes. I'd like to tell you about a great new show on the Compliance Podcast Network, The Corruption Files, where with my co-host, Mike DeBernardis, partner at Hughes Hubbard, we take a look at some of the most significant FCPA and international anti-corruption enforcement actions over the past 15 years in the modern era of anti-corruption and FCPA enforcement. It's a great retrospective on some of the most significant enforcement actions. So check it out on the Compliance Podcast Network, The Corruption Files. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.